0: To worship and adore the Lord our God. Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, a message from God's Word brought to you by the Preaching Channel. To listen to this message in its entirety again, to download it, or to choose from a variety of other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Log on to wgcrpreaching.net.
1: And uh, happy to be with you on this Lord's Day. I want you to open the Word of God with me, if you will, please, in the Psalms this morning. And I have prayed that God would guide us today about the portion of Scripture He wants us to be in. I I stopped praying when I go to churches that God will show me which of my sermons He wants me to preach. I stopped praying that. And I started praying, Lord, what portion of Scripture do you want us to be in? Because I learned something. My word doesn't change anybody's life. But the word of God changes all of us, doesn't it? And I believe God has led us today to the Psalms. As a matter of fact, to two Psalms, and I'm going to be in one of them in this hour and then uh, the next Psalm in the next hour. And I believe this is what God has for us today. But I want you to look with me at Psalm 100, if you will, this morning. It's only five verses long. When you get there and look at it, you're going to say, we know this psalm. It's a very familiar one. Indeed, it is. But I'm praying that God will use it to push one of the spiritual reset buttons in all of our life. You know, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how much Bible you know, uh, how many Sunday school classes you've been in. All of us have moments where we need God to refresh and renew something in us. Psalm 100 is one of those psalms that accomplishes that. Look at Psalm 100, verse number 1. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people. Are you glad to be His people? We're His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I want you to do something this morning. I'd like you to take a pen out, if you don't mind. If you don't have one, borrow one, and find something to write on. He goes, I'm going to give you some simple thoughts to write down. They all come directly from the Word of God, but I want you to write them down because I'm going to ask you to do something with them. As a matter of fact, we're going to put them into practice before the Sunday school hour is over. So if you can make yourself a note, somebody said to me years ago that a short pencil is better than a long memory. I like that. And so if you write it down, you'll be apt to remember it. And then I'm going to challenge you to do something with it long after this particular day is over. I'm praying God will use it in all of our lives. Psalm 100 is an amazing psalm. It is literally a psalm of praise or of thanksgiving. And uh, I don't know about you, but let me just make a confession this morning. I spend more time praying than I do praising. And I think if most of us were honest and looked at an average week and said, all right, I'm going to keep track of how much time and energy I spend asking God for something and how much time I spend actually adoring Him, I think the praying usually would outweigh the praising. And yet I want to say to you this morning that there is power in praising God. Now let me just ask, how many of you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? I believe God hears and answers prayer, and aren't we all glad He does? He said that He would His ear would be attentive to our prayer. His eyes would be upon us. Uh, My favorite prayer verse is Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I'm just going to tell you, I need some of those great and mighty things today. Things I don't know anything about. I need God to hear and answer my prayer. And yet, I've learned over the last few years that if I will learn to praise, I will do better in prayer. As a matter of fact, as you begin to read in the New Testament more about prayer, The Bible always connects thanksgiving and prayer. We're to make our supplication with thanksgiving. We're to make our prayer with thanksgiving. Why is that? Because, watch this please, it is praise or thanksgiving that gets you on praying ground. In other words, as you praise the Lord, two things happen, one there and one here. Aren't you glad God works on both ends? As you praise God, first of all, It gets heaven's attention. And number two, it increases your faith to believe him for more. You see, when you're praising God, you're reflecting on who God is and what God can do and what God has done, and suddenly something on the inside wells up and says, you know, if God could do that in the past, if the Lord's that wonderful, surely he's going to hear my prayer today. So praise is actually the key to the power of prayer. If you want to be a more effective prayer, then ask God to make you a more effective praiser. Now look at the verses with me for just a moment, if you don't mind. The Bible says in verse 1, Make a joyful what? (laughs) Is there a lot of noise in our world? My soul, is there a lot of noise. We live in a world filled with noise. Very, Very little quiet in our land today. And yet I would say to you, there is not enough of the joyful noise. God says, I want you to make a joyful noise to me. By the way, notice who needs it. The Bible says all ye lands. Literally, no matter who the people are, no matter where they are, no matter what their circumstance, praise applies to you. One of the things I love about teaching the Bible is it applies to everybody. I'm looking at people this morning from different backgrounds, and no doubt many of you have had, Very different circumstances than other people this week. And maybe you're sitting in this room thinking, I'm the only person in this whole room that's had this to deal with this week. But watch this, please. The Word of God applies to you. It's for all people, all time, all circumstances. Look at verse 2. Serve the Lord with what? I'm just going to tell you, traveling all the time in and out of churches, I meet a lot of miserable Christians. I really do. I meet a lot of people that are, On the right side, but not the bright side. If I might say it this way, they're serving the Lord. They're just not happy about it. And if you ask them, do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And are you serving the Lord? Oh, yeah, we're faithful in church, and this is what we do at the church, and, yeah, we try to do our part. And yet, as you look at their life, there seems to be so little of the joy of Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you today, God didn't just want servants. He wants joyful servants. Do you remember uh, when they came to visit King Solomon and uh, they, they observed all that he had and all of his wisdom and all that? One of the things they observed about him it was that his servants were glad. I think that's a striking thing because most of the time, if you talk about people having to serve, you think of them as being people who are under it, people who are just weighted down under the cares of it all. And yet Solomon's servants, remember Solomon is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater king, the greater than Solomon. Solomon's servants, they were just happy to get to serve the king. They were just excited about being that near to King Solomon. Well, let me tell you something. If his servants were that glad, don't you think the servants of the king of heaven ought to be more glad? That we ought to be happy Christians. I wonder, are you a happy Christian? If I wanted to know if you're a happy Christian, I would not ask your pastor. If I want to know if you're a happy Christian, I'd ask the people that live at your house. See, they really know whether you have any of the joy of Jesus or not. Years ago when we started doing, uh, writing things and, and doing a daily podcast, we chose as our title for that, Enjoying the Journey. And someone said, how did you land on that? Where did, where did you get that? And I believe God guided us to that and, and led in all of it. But frankly, the seeds of that were sown many years ago when I heard a man by the name of Curtis Hudson. Any of you remember Curtis Hudson? And Curtis Hudson said once in my hearing, we know we're going to enjoy the destination, but I think God intended for us to enjoy the journey. That stayed with me. Let me ask you, do you think you're going to enjoy heaven? Absolutely. Well, I to tell you, if you're going to enjoy the destination, don't you think the Lord intended that we know some of His joy and gladness here and now? now this is the thought that really has captured me from Psalm 100, and it is this. What are the angels doing at this moment? In heaven, at this moment, if I could pick you up and transport you to glory, what are the angels doing at this moment? What are they doing? They're praising God. They're saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. I tell you, they're praising Him at this moment. Wait a minute. Let's pick us up and let's transport us into eternity, in the future, when we're going to be in the presence of God. All right, you're not living here now. Suddenly, Jesus has come. We are with the Lord. What do you think you're going to be doing for all of eternity? (laughs) Absolutely. And this is not my subject, but let me just stop and give you a parenthesis. I heard preachers for years preach. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to know everything. Have you ever heard that kind of thing preached? When we get to heaven, we're going to know everything. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't say you're going to know everything. It says you're going to know even as you are known. So what's the big difference between the two? Let me tell you. I believe for the rest of eternity we're going to be discovering more about the greatness and goodness of our God. I don't think you're ever going to plumb the depths. I think there's going to be an adventure through all of eternity that those of us who are created beings are going to enter more and more into the depths and wonder of our Creator. I believe that. So let me tell you what I believe. I believe in eternity we're not just going to praise him a little bit like we think we are here. We're going to praise him more and more and more, and the praise is going to get greater and greater and greater the more we know of the greatness of our God. Now, here's the point. Let's get back to the now where we live at this moment. If that's what we're going to do for eternity, don't you think we ought to start getting some practice on it now? As a matter of fact, I would say to you that praise is the one thing you can do on earth that you can do in heaven. You're not going to read the Bible in heaven because you're going to be with the word. Isn't that going to be glorious? You're not going to be witnessing lost people in glory because there's not going to be any lost people there. It's just going to be all God's people. There's some things that you can do here that you can't do there, but there's one thing you can do here that you will do for all eternity, and that, my friends, is learn what it means to really praise God. So look at the verse, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible. Come before his presence. And then I want you to come down to verse four and mark this phrase: "Enter into his gates." And then again in verse four, and into his courts. Why is praise so powerful? Are you ready for this? Praise is powerful because it brings you into the presence of our great God. Literally, it brings you into His presence. Now, let's let's give a little uh, theological background. All right, I believe God is everywhere. Do you believe God is everywhere? Like you can't limit God to heaven, you can't limit God to here. God is everywhere. Somebody says, where is God? Yes, he's everywhere. So God's presence is here. If you're a believer, the Lord promised he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. So you have the presence of God, but watch this, please. When you begin to praise him and acknowledge him for who he is, here's what happens. You come consciously into his presence. You come into a realization of the God who is the ever-present God, the very present help in time of trouble. You begin acknowledging him. Let me put it down where we live for just a moment. There's a very practical aspect to praise. You don't just praise when you feel like it. Somebody said, I feel the Lord's presence. I'm going to praise him. Well, that'd be good. But let me tell you that there is a discipline to praise. It's not just the emotion of praise. It's the discipline of praise. And the discipline of praise is, is Watch me, please. He's worthy of our praise at all times, whether you feel like it or not. And when you're conscious that he's near, and when, frankly, your emotions tell you, and they will lie to you, that he's a million miles away, even at that moment, you need to praise God. May I say, especially at that moment, you need to praise God. How many morning people are among us? Would you raise your hand, all you morning glories? God bless all six of you. That's good. How many night people are here? Would you raise your hand, please? How many of you are neither? Would you raise both hands in the air? These people have two hours right in the middle of the day where they're good. That's it, right? Uh, The older I get, I'm becoming more of a morning person. I I like it. Of course, coffee has helped that, praise God. But I enjoy the quiet of the mornings. But I've just got to tell you, there's some mornings that I wake up and my first thoughts are, Oh, the Lord's wonderful. And I just seem to sense the presence of God, and I want to commune with him and talk to him, and I'm excited about reading the Bible, and uh, I actually feel spiritual. How many of you ever have a morning where you feel spiritual? Would you raise your hand? At least once every six months, right? Now let's get real for a moment, all right? How many of you ever have a moment where you wake up and don't feel spiritual at all? I must tell you, I have more of those mornings, actually. I've mean, got a lot of mornings where I wake up, people look at preachers and think we like jump out of bed every day, can't wait to read the Bible, pray, and win everybody to Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. Do you know what this is? Look up here. Do you know what this is? It's called flesh. And you can dress it up and give it a Bible and even let it stand and preach. And it's still just dirty, rotten, stinking flesh. That's why Lester Roloff said the first thing he did every morning when he got out of bed was jump in the grave. i never heard anybody say that before. Not jump in the shower, jump in the grave. And then he went on to say, because the first thing I got to do every morning is die to me. And he said, if I don't die to flesh and die to self, then the whole day is miserable. I think that's exactly right. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that there are days where I feel like praising God and I'm excited about it, and then there are days where I don't feel it. But watch this, please. Oh, this is wonderful. If I will make a conscious decision of the will to just begin giving him glory and giving the praise that is due to his name, watch this, please, my emotions catch up with my will eventually. That, in fact, when I don't feel like singing, that's the very time I need to sing. When I want to grumble, that's actually the time to give him glory. When I I want to criticize, that's actually the time to say, Lord, you've been so very good to me. When I don't feel it on the inside, that's the time to turn my eyes away from myself and get my eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, but you sure are a wonderful Savior. And when you begin to praise God in that way, friends, I'm going to tell you, there's power in it. Now, why is there such power in praise? I'm going to give you three reasons, and I want you to write them down. Number one, I want you to write down that praise is powerful because of who we are praising. We're not praising some man. We're not keeping our eyes on men. Men will always disappoint you. The best men are men at best. That's why the middle verse of the Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. So we're not praising men. We're praising who. Look at verse number one. Make a joyful noise unto, what's the name there? In, is in your Bible, is the Lord all capital letters? you see L-O-R-D, all capital letters? That's the covenant name. That's Yahweh. That is Jehovah. Did you know, did you know that when the scribes wrote this name, when they were copying out the scriptures, when the scribes wrote it, that they would stop when they got to that name, when they were copying the scriptures, and they would take a bath? And they changed clothes? And they got a new pen. That's powerful to me. you know why they did that? Because they had such reverence for the name of Yahweh that they felt like, i got to be clean to even write this name. Let's not dirty his name with a pen that's written other words because this name is above every name. I like that, don't you? Did you know that the common people would not even say the name out loud? You know, we get pretty flippant with the name of God in our world today. Even Christian people do. Remember, We're not to take his name in what? Vain. Dr. Frank Sales helped me with that years ago. He said, you take his name in vain every time his name is on your lips and not in your heart. That's powerful. I've heard a lot of Christians take his name in vain. See, you don't have to curse to take God's name in vain. When you use it lightly, when you use it flippantly, when you use it without a heart filled with wonder and worship for the name and all that is behind the nature of that name, then you're using his name in vain. I'm telling you, this is quite a name here. No wonder, he says, sing to that name. But now watch who it is that we are praising. We are praising the covenant God. We're praising the God who always keeps his word. Aren't you glad God always keeps his word? In a land of lies, aren't you glad there's somebody that can be trusted? That's the one we're praising. The one who has never failed you, never forsaken you, never forgotten you, and he's not going to start today. That's the God we're praising today. And so we're praising the Lord. Read on, read on. Look at verse number three. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. We've had a little rash here lately of Christian celebrities renouncing their faith. I wish I had time to talk to you about Christian celebrities to start with. There's only one star in the story of the gospel. His name is Jesus. So it doesn't matter who they are doesn't matter how well-known they are. The truth is, just because they are well-known by men does not mean they ever knew God at all. So that's, that's, two, that's another subject. Uh, but we've been, we've been recently kind of inundated with people who've written books and given lectures and were well-respected, who've come out and said, I don't even know if there is a God. I don't believe there is a God. Let me just tell you, look at the Scriptures, please. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. The Lord, He is God. He may not be your God, but he's still God. You can't add anything to God, and you can't take anything away from God because God is God, period. Then he goes on to describe this God who we praise. Look, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. I'm telling you. One reason I think praise is so powerful is it reminds you who you are and who God is. Can I tell you one byproduct of praise? It kills your pride. It kills it. Did you know you can't be arrogant and strut your way into the presence of a great God? No. Friend, when you start praising the holy matchless name of Jesus, let me tell you what happens. God gets bigger and bigger, and guess what happens? You get smaller and smaller. As he increases, you decrease. It humbles you to remember and realize and confess. Say it. Somebody says, I believe that. Then say it. It will do you good to say, Lord, I didn't do any of this. This is all the Lord. It's all the Lord. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. And then look at the end of verse number 3. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Watch this, please. The one we're praising is the God who leads and feeds. Why would he go back to this shepherd analogy? Because he's reminding you that the God we're praising is the God who's led you all along the journey to this point, who's leading you at this moment, and as he leads you, he also feeds you. What a wonderful good shepherd we serve. It reminds you that you're just a sheep, but you've got a great shepherd. So number one, praise is powerful because of who we're praising. Number two, would you write this down? Praise is powerful because of why we praise him. Certainly we praise him for who he is. We'll come to verse number five because God gives us a praise list. If I ask you this morning, do you have a prayer list? Many of you would say you have a prayer list. But I wonder, when was the last time you had a praise list? When was the last time you literally made a list of things you just wanted to say, thank you, Jesus? Praise God for that. Bless the Lord. God gives us such a list. Look at the three categories. Verse number five, for the Lord is what? All right, so I want you to write down on your paper his goodness. We praise Him for His goodness. On your paper, I want you to leave a little room next to that because we're coming back, all right? His goodness, that's, that's the gifts that He gives that we are undeserving of. And then look at the second category in verse number 5. His mercy is everlasting. So I want you to write down underneath His goodness, write down His mercy. If the goodness is what He gives us, the mercy is what He withholds from us. And so His mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad for that? His mercy endureth forever. What a merciful God we have. And then his truth endureth to all generations. If you're wondering what he means here by his truth, this is certainly a reference to Scripture, but it's also a reference just to his character, his faithfulness. As a matter of fact, Psalm 89 verse 1 says, his faithfulness endures to all generations. Psalm 119 verse 90, his faithfulness endures to all generations. When we're talking about his truthfulness. We mean this, he can be trusted. Aren't you glad he can be trusted? So under his goodness and under his mercy, I want you to write down his truth. And then I want us to get real personal for a moment. See, we've been talking about all these things about our God, but I'll remind you, God's not a million miles away. He's as near as your breath. In him we live and move and have our very being. Take a breath. Would you take a breath? Isn't that nice? Take another one. That's the gift of God to you. What a wonderful God we serve. So let's get real personal for a moment. I'm going to be quiet for a second. I want you to look at your paper. Don't look at me. Look at your paper. And next to his goodness, I want you to write down one good thing God has done in your life. Now, don't write a book. Just write one little reminder. One good thing he's done in your life. What a good God we serve. And there may be any number of things. You can't write down the wrong thing, by the way. You can't write down the wrong thing. Did you hear what I just said? Because every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. From the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every every good thing in salvation is mine because of Jesus. Every goodness shown to our family is because of the heavenly Father. Every material provision, the God who created it all, what a good God we have. So number one, his goodness, watch this please, it's not just his goodness, it's his goodness in my life. Look at the second one, his mercy. I want you to write down one thing that you think God has held back from you. Just one thing. See, sometimes the greatest gifts are not the things he gives you; it's the thing he keeps from you. I think we all could write down hell, couldn't we? We're all just black-hearted, hell-deserving sinners. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell or on our way there. Aren't you glad you're not in hell today? And if you're saved, you're never going to hell because Jesus saved you. But it's more than just hell. I, I was thinking this week; I was doing a little hard work, and preacher, I got to thinking about God's long suffering in my life. God sure puts up with a lot. Doesn't he put up with a lot? I mean, honestly, if I was God, I'd squash you like a bug. And if you were God, you'd squash me like a bug. Because we get pretty exasperating sometimes. And yet God in his mercy puts up with us. He suffers long with us. And I'm thinking about certain sins in my own life, besetting sins, things I've confessed a thousand times. you have anything like that? Things you intend never to do again, and then you do them again. And I think sometimes, why does the Lord put up with me? Because our God is a God of great mercy. So think of what he's held back from you. Oh, but let's go to the third one. It's not just his goodness. It's his goodness in my life. It's not just his mercy. It's his mercy in my life. And it's not just his truth. Oh, no. It's his truth in my life. And I want you to write down next to his truth, one great truth God has taught you that has transformed your life. It may be a verse. It may be something God's used your pastor to teach and preach from the Word of God. But some great spiritual truth God has brought to bear in your spirit, in your life, your heart, your home, that has made a difference in your life. I'll remind you if you follow that truth back upstream, it finds its watershed in God, the God of all truth. He is truth. He's the fountainhead of truth. And so look at it. He is good Is he good in your life? Yes or no? He is merciful. Is he merciful in your life? Yes or no? He's full of truth. Is his truth in your life? Yes or no? Then those are three good reasons that you can always praise God. Let's pause here just a second, get down where we live, because there are going to be days that things don't go your way. Let's just take a survey. How many of you had one of those days this week? Would you raise your hand, please? Yeah. But watch this, please there'll never be a single day that God's not good, that God's not merciful, and that God's truth doesn't stand. Not a single day. So if the bottom falls out, it will remind you the foundation's still there. If it all comes apart, it'll remind you that this God is still holding all things together. If nothing goes your way, it will remind you that God's way is always perfect. I mentioned Frank Sells a moment ago. One thing that Frank Sells said in my hearing years ago, he said every time God uses something that humbles you, stop and thank him for it. God's reminded me of that so many times. I'll get sick. You know, when you're a preacher and you're traveling all the time, you're supposed to speak, people expect you to be there and expect you to preach. And then you get sick on the road, and you can barely talk. Uh, early on, that kind of thing doesn't happen often. But early on, if it happened, I really got aggravated. I just got aggravated. I just, the Lord, don't you know I'm supposed to preach? I mean, as if he doesn't know I'm supposed to preach. I'm his preacher, you know. And then I realized something that sometimes if the voice gives out, it's just a reminder that the power is not in the voice. It's in the word. And so when that happens, and I feel weak many times sitting on the front row of a church, I've said to the Lord, Lord, I don't even feel good. I don't feel like getting up and preaching. So thank you for making me weak today. Why do you think Paul said he rejoiced in infirmities? I mean, that just sounds sick, doesn't it? I mean, like, what kind of psychotic idea is that? I'm glad when I'm sick. I'm happy when I'm weak. I'm rejoicing in this struggle. What was it? Wait a minute. Paul understood something. He understood that that wasn't a dead end. It was a door. See, the end of you is the beginning of him. And when God uses something, pardon me, to let the air out of your balloon, And you feel totally deflated and and humbled and like nothing, God says, good, now we can do something wonderful. Because it's at that moment that you have access to all of the divine resources. So when that kind of stuff comes into your life, stop and just say, thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. It may not change all the circumstances, but I guarantee you it will change your attitude towards the circumstances. Because it will bring you into the presence of God. There's a little phrase here. Did you notice it? It says we're to bless the Lord. We're to bless him. May I tell you what I've done more times than not? I've asked for blessing. How many of you ask for blessing? Bless our food. Bless our church. Bless our preacher. Bless our kids. Dear Lord, please bless our finances. We do that a lot, right? Bless, 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 bless. But did you know, did every dawn on you there's only one person worthy of blessing, and that's him? Now watch this, please. Maybe instead of spending so much time Asking for the blessing, it's not wrong to ask for blessing. That's okay But maybe instead of giving our first energy to that we should begin by blessing his worthy name Bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that is it within me bless his holy name I'll tell you what I've discovered. I've discovered when you start blessing him. He keeps blessing you That you live in the overflow of the blessing of his great presence. So it brings me to the third truth Would you write it down number one? Praise is powerful because of who we're praising. Praise is powerful because of why we're praising. And number three, praise is powerful because of what happens to us when we praise. And when you give God glory, you're actually not adding any glory to him because he is the God of all glory. Does that make sense? You can't add to a God who is perfection. But when you give him glory, watch please, it's not just what comes out of you that happens, it's what God brings you into. Look carefully, look carefully, please, at verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. You're coming into the presence of God consciously. Again in verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Watch you're coming into the presence of God and you're bringing the presence of God into your circumstances. We all have tough things to deal with. Everybody. Somebody in this room, I have no idea who, haven't asked, don't know, no one said it. But I guarantee you, there's families in this room struggling. How do you know that? Because in every church in America, they're there. And in every community. Their marriage is struggling, their parents struggling with kids, there's somebody that's heard bad news from the job this week, there's somebody that heard the dreaded word cancer. And in the midst of all of that, if you have to deal with all of that by yourself, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to make it. No, not with joy, you're not. Oh, you might you might live, but you're not going to be very happy in the midst of it. But when you begin praising God, no matter what your circumstances are, watch this, please, God steps into that circumstance. Oh, and in the presence of God, everything and everybody looks different. In the presence of God. If I ask you this today, where does God live? Immediately, everybody's first answer is heaven. Yeah, God lives in heaven. That's true. God's there. And then somebody else says, he lives in my heart. Well, that's that's true. If you're saved, God lives in your heart. But let's let God answer. I want you to go back a few pages to Psalm 22 with me for just a moment. Lord, where do you live? We'd like to know where your house is. Where do you enjoy living? Psalm 22 and verse 3. But thou art holy. He is a holy God, amen. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, obviously, David is a part of the chosen nation of Israel. He's dealing here with God's covenant people, but the point is this God dwells among praise. Why do you think around the throne the angels are all praising? That's where he likes to live. That's where he makes his abode. That's where he inhabits. Watch this. If you want God's presence in this church, then this church better learn what it means to really praise God and give him glory. You start taking his glory and he'll start taking your strength. See, there's one thing God does not share. I'm glad we have a God that shares. Amen to that. He shares his grace, he shares his goodness, shares his mercy, shares his strength, shares his wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for sharing. But there's one thing in Scripture the Bible says he will not share. He will not share his glory with another. It means it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how prominent you may be, God will not share glory with anyone. So the moment we start taking glory for ourself instead of reflecting his glory and deflecting it back to him is the very moment that God removes his hand of blessing. You want God's blessing on this church? Let this church be full of the high praises of God. God will inhabit the praises of his people. You want your family to be blessed. We're going to talk more about that later this morning. You want God's goodness in your house, in your home? Then could I recommend to you that you exercise some of the praise of God in your family? play Christ-honoring music around the home, sing as a family, talk about the goodness of God. Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange that we can sit around the dinner table or drive down the road in the car and we can talk about politics, we can talk about sports, we can talk about the weather, we can talk about the nation, we can talk about our jobs, we can talk about the kids' schooling. When was the last time as a family you sat around the table and did nothing but talk about the goodness of God? When? When was the last time you went around the circle and said, you know, let's just talk about something God's done for all of us lately? I'm going to tell you what will happen. You start giving God praise like that, God will inhabit the praises of his people. You get up Monday morning and you don't feel near as spiritual as you do right now. And you look in the mirror and you're dreading the day and you're weary already and you've got a big week ahead of you. Could I recommend something to you? Stop right then and there. I don't mean to be spooky. I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm a Baptist and not a charismatic, but I still believe God says we can lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, right? So maybe it'd be a good idea every now and then if we just raised a hand to heaven and said, Lord, I just want to thank you and praise you. Though I don't feel real good right now, you're still on your throne. You're exactly like you were yesterday, and I just want to give you praise and glory. I promise you God will do something in your heart. I'm going to tell you why, because God inhabits the praises of his people. It brings you into the presence of God and the presence of God into the circumstances. Go back with me to our psalm. We're almost done. The Bible says at the end of verse number four, be thankful unto him and bless what? His name. There's one thing that you can count on, that's the name of Jesus. Sometimes I don't even know what to say, so I'll just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes I'm having a hard time even making a list of things I'm really glad about. You ever have a day like that? But his name never changes. Lester Roloff said, I like this. Lester Roloff said, he said, there's sometimes in life some things you can praise your way through that you cannot pray your way through. Ponder on that just a little bit. He said He said that sometimes people get themselves in such a mess and they're trying to pray their way through it, but they don't even know how to pray. They don't even know what to ask for and they're struggling to even pray. You ever been there? But it's at that moment, let me tell you what you can do. You can praise your way through that. I was counseling with a young man who was struggling with doubts about his salvation. He knew he'd been saved. He said, but the devil's just giving me fits and my flesh is weak. And he said, I'm just a skeptical person and I just get inundated with all of these thoughts. He said, I don't know what to do. And I said, can I give you a recommendation? He said, Sure. He said, I know. He said, the preachers have already told me, read First John again and, you know, pray for assurance and all. I said, no, that's not, that's not what I want to say to you. What I want to say to you is the next time the doubt comes along, why don't you stop right then and there and say to the Lord, Lord, I thank you that though I don't feel saved right now, I know that you are my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you that you keep your word. Thank you that you answered my prayer and came to live in my life. Thank you that you wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I said to that young man, I said, it just might be that when you start praising God and stop asking him for the 14,000th time to save you, that you'll begin to recognize the spiritual reality of what God has already done in your life. See, praise is a powerful thing. Maybe instead of begging God for what you've been begging God for, you ought to stop and thank him that he's already answered that prayer. Some of you right now, you're, you're, you're saying, i, I got to have wisdom. i got a big decision to make. Oh, God, please give me wisdom. Oh, God, please give me wisdom. I believe in asking for wisdom and faith but can i remind you the bible says that the lord jesus christ is made unto us wisdom when was the last time you stopped and said to the lord now lord you know i've got this big decision to make so i just want to thank you that the god of all wisdom lives inside of me and that jesus christ who is wisdom incarnate lives in my heart and i want to thank you jesus that you're going to show me exactly what to do let me tell you what praise is praise is the key that unlocks heaven's storehouse every divine resource Every eternal rich thing, every good thing that God has, look at verse number 5. His goodness, His mercy, and His truth is unlocked through the power of praise. I'll tell you what praise will do. It'll make a man humble, it'll make a man holy, and it'll make a man happy. That sounds like a pretty good life to me. What do you think? And that's why the Bible says we enter in to His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. This, this, this is marvelous to me. God has designed it so that the thing that brings him the most glory brings me the most good. Don't we have a brilliant God? Absolutely, perfectly wise. As he receives what he deserves, I get what I desperately need. How many of you have any need right now, any need at all? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Then I want us to take the last moments of this Sunday school hour and I want us to praise God that he's enough. And literally, I'm not just going to talk. And I'm not just going to close in prayer. I'm going to let you talk to God for a moment, and I want you to tell Him how good He is, how merciful He is, how true and faithful He is, and how glad you are that He is your God and you're one of His sheep. Because I believe as you praise Him, God will meet every need that you have.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour brought to you by the preaching channel to listen to this message once again in its entirety for a free download of this message or a variety of any other messages or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day you can visit the preaching channel at wgcrpreaching.net if you don't have download capabilities feel free to call and order a cd copy of today's message at 828-884-9427